Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Staying Forever Strong. Today I have Dan Drydock Shockley, who is a warrior and advocate for hereditary colon cancer syndrome. We're going to talk all about his story, um, maybe even get the nick his nickname Drydock, and just how he stays strong. Hey Dan, how are you? Doing good, Alexa. Thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, be a guest on your uh, podcast. Thank you. No, I'm so glad. Um, thank you for coming on. I love hearing people's stories and just meeting new people. Well, it's an honor to be here, and I'm just uh, happy to share my journey uh, to uh, to your audience. Well, thank you, and we're excited to hear it. Um, if you want to start, you can even start by telling us a little bit about you and um, like how maybe you how you found out that you had the syndrome? Absolutely. Well, my name is Dan Drydock Shockley. I'm retired Navy, did 22 years on active duty. I was stationed on seven different ships in my career. Uh, three of those ships were deployed to the Persian Gulf, um, 92, 95, and parts of 2001. And then when we started Operation Enduring and Operation Iraqi Freedom, um, I was stationed on the ground over in the Middle East, a little island in the Persian Gulf off the coast of Saudi Arabia called Bahrain. I was there from September of 2001 till September of 2003, and then I retired from the Navy. Um, so that put me at 43 years old when I retired. Fast forward to when I turned 51, I had my first colonoscopy, and at the time I resided in Hawaii. Um, and I was working two jobs, two full-time jobs, because you know, in the Navy, we kept busy all the time. So uh, if I had one day, one full-time job, that wasn't enough to keep me busy. So I wanted two jobs. And, and um, so anyway, um, I had no symptoms, no indications anything was going on. Just to, I, I was going in for a routine colonoscopy because of my age and no family history. When I woke up, my GI doctor at the VA there in Hawaii, he, um, he said, Daniel, we're going to need to talk. And I said, okay, well, what's going on? And I was a little groggy. I just woke up because I'd been asleep for an hour because they, the, they had to do an upper and a lower GI. And uh, so I'm sitting there sipping on some guava juice, eating some animal crackers, and he's showing me these pictures he took of my stomach and small intestine and, and uh, colon. And, um, and he said, well, um, you've got 100 polyps embedded throughout your colon, rectum, and anus. And I'm going to need to refer you to a certified genetic counselor at Triple Army Medical Center, which was right there on the same campus as the VA Medical Center. Um, he said, I'm going to need to refer you for further evaluation and possible surgery. So... I um I said okay well, what do you what's what's going on he goes well it appears that you have a um, a gene mutation and I said okay he goes however the the genetic council will sit down with you and they'll um they'll do a further evaluation so I went over a couple of days later for the scheduled appointment and sat down with my genetic counselor she explained what she thought that I had and that she would need to you know, do a DNA test. And she said, now, 
the samples are going to go to a molecular oncology lab in Pasadena, California, because there's no lab in Hawaii that can facilitate this type of gene sequencing DNA test. So I said, okay, fair enough. She said, now we expect the results back in about three weeks. So in the meantime, she shared with me some resources to read about the mutation that they thought that I was diagnosed with, where they thought I had. However, the DNA test would reveal exactly what I have. Uh, they, they suspected that I had the gene mutation uh, familial adenomatose polyposis, FAP. That impacts less than 1% of the global population. Um, the results came back. It took six weeks to get the results back. They found the mutation in my fifth chromosome, and the mutation confirmed the diagnosis of attenuated FAP. Now, attenuated FAP has a later onset in life. That's going to appear, if you're going to have that mutation, that will appear normally between 50 and 55. That's the window. I was at 51, so I was right there at the beginning of that window. Fortunately, we got it in time because of those 100 polyps, um, one of those polyps was an 8-centimeter tumor in my traverse colon, causing an 80% blockage. Now, keep in mind, I had no symptoms no indication anything was going on. That tumor just happened to be a stage zero cancer. Now, um, I had six weeks to mentally prepare myself uh, to read about this mutation, read about the type of surgery required, and read about life after surgery and having a per permanent ostomy. Because they removed my colon rectum anus, so they took the end of my small intestine, that surgically adhered to my abdominal area, and then I have a prosthetic device to, to, cap, to gather the waste, for those who don't know what an ostomy is. Um, so my, my condition is permanent. There's no cure for it. Um, I don't have any symptoms. I don't have any indication anything's going on. I'm not on any medication. Um, I do have to go through annual surveillance because this mutation will manifest in other organs. So it's already, the polyps in my stomach are too numerous to count. Um, there's some polyps manifested in the beginning part of my small intestine. And actually, uh, directly, directly related to this gene mutation, I actually have five elliptical lesions in my left eye. Once again, no indication anything's going on. I just go in for routine surveillance. So... Um, but early detection was the key. And uh, it's all about being preventive, you know, and you know, taking preventive measures. And I'm always good with that because, you know, in the, in the Navy for 22 years, it, we're all about, you know, being, uh, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. And uh, so, and, and speaking of the Navy, there's this, this old cliche about we may not be able to direct the wind However, what we can do is adjust our sails. So after being on seven different ships, I'm good at adjusting. Yeah, I'm sure you have to be. <laughs> what a crazy story. And it like shows the importance of being preventative. That's why people every year we go for physicals or we do different tests depending on the age. And it's so important to keep doing those. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we had no family history. So my parents deceased, my, my aunts and uncles that are blood, blood relatives, they're all passed away. Um, I am in constant contact with my, I'm the youngest of the family. My sister's four years older than me and my brother's 12 years older than me. And of all my first cousins, I'm the youngest. So I'm in, con I'm in contact with a lot of my first cousins and then some of my second cousins. So once they start turning either 45 to 50, you know, they know what's going on with me. So we don't know where this mutation started. Now, I must have, have to... Um, I have to add that uh, or interject that the mutation was discovered by Dr. Henry T. Lynch. So if you've ever heard of Lynch syndrome, well, Dr. Lynch, he's the one who discovered that, but he also discovered the mutation I'm diagnosed with. Now, Dr. Lynch was the founding father of hereditary cancer research. Um, he passed away last a year ago, June, June 2nd, actually, of 2019. That was at, that was cancer National Cancer Day. He died. He passed away. He was hmm. 91 and a half years old, and up until a month before he passed away, he was still going into his lab every you know Monday through Friday for 12 hours a day. So he he started his hereditary cancer research in the very early 1960s time. So I was born in 1960. So up until June of last year. My entire life, he's been devoted to hereditary cancer research. So, you know, um, now my genetic counselor and my colorectal surgeon in Hawaii were colleagues of Dr. Lynch. So guess who shows up in Hawaii seven months after my surgery? Dr. Lynch. And I was personally and privately introduced to Dr. Lynch before one of his academic lectures at the University of Hawaii Cancer Center. And then we sat down and we had lunch. And for an hour and 50 minutes, we're talking with my genetic counselor and Dr. Lynch and a couple other medical professionals from, uh, from the area. And we're talking. So I got to collaborate with Dr. Lynch through the years. And when I had my routine surveillance, I'd get my pathology report. I would send it over to Dr. Lynch to review, to provide his feedback and insight. Now, additionally, I've been advocating for ostomy awareness and uh, rare disease. So I was writing articles for numerous organizations locally and nationally, as well as in Canada, for the uh, Canada, the Ostomy Society of Canada. Um, I would send him my draft articles for him to, you know, fact check. And then he would send them back to me with his comments and let me know what to use. And, but, um, so, I mean, but the bottom line is, no pun intended, um, <laughs> I've embraced this from the onset, you know. Um, there was, the mind, my mindset was as soon as I found out that I could have this mutation was, I tend not to think about things I'm unable to control, such as medical issues. What I can control is my positive attitude. Right. And my positive attitude has brought me this far in life, I'm five decades on God's green earth, why change now? You know, so um, I just embraced this and I just reached out, you know, uh, to as many resources as I could to find out as much as I could about this mutation. Of course, with Dr. Lynch having, um, having his ear um, sharing um, my concerns, my questions, I was able to get his 
peer-reviewed publications about this mutation. So, um, you know, having having the the opportunity to communicate with the 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 world's you know renowned leader for hereditary yeah. cancer research, I mean, it's been a blessing. But I want to take it to the next level because with his passing, I want to continue the legacy of Dr. Lynch. Um, about hereditary colon cancer syndrome and the, uh, the importance of early detection because uh, yeah that's that's going to be you know uh, that's my that's going to be my journey now is to continue his legacy and so that's so like that's so amazing like that you literally got to find out more and have this relationship with basically the one who found this syndrome or this gene mutation. Absolutely. Is there other people like that practiced with him that are kind of continuing on or how do, how is it now? Well, his information has gotten uh, disseminated throughout, you know, the world. So, um, you know, when the GI, um, when the GI uh, conferences take place uh, throughout the nation and the world, uh, this information is presented to them. The, the GI um, the doctors, they get, and that's how my doctor, my GI doctor found out about it because one of the conferences he was going to. Um, now, so, but, however, what I want to do as a patient as on the, on the survivor side of the mutation is, to share my journey as a live case presentation. Um, because on the medical side, there's so many different things going on with all these different diagnoses. So I can help them out by sharing my personal journey. And uh, you know, hopefully the word will continue to get out there. Now, the it's estimated, Dr. Lynch shared this with me, it's estimated that the mutation I have will has will impact less than 0.03% of the global population. We don't know for sure. That's just an estimate. So um, I'm hoping in the, the years and decades to come that, you know, we can get, you know, there's more information out there about this mutation. Right. That's so crazy. It's such a tiny amount. Exactly. Yeah. So anything I can do to, you know, share my journey um, and be a source of inspiration and encouragement for those who hear it. You know, yeah. there's an old, there's an old cliche. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you know what? <laughs> I found that there is a way to make the horse drink when he gets to the watering hole. You know how you do that? Oh. You feed him salt on the way. You ever go to a farm or a ranch and you see the salt licks out there, the big blocks of salt for the horses <laughs> and the cattle? That's out there so they can lick on it when they get down to the water and hold it thirsty and they'll drink. So that said, so it <laughs> I hope my journey, if they read about it or hear my you know the podcast, that that's a source of salt for them. So when they have a discussion with their family or the medical professional, that um, they would get their screening for early detection. And by the way, November is um, the perfect time for the family members to get together and talk about different things because you've got Thanksgiving and then you've got the holidays coming up. So yeah. November is a really 
important time for individuals to have the discussion with their family members. And yeah. then it you know, hopefully leads over to having the discussion with their medical professionals as well. So yeah. timing is everything. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. But, um, so during either at any point in your diagnosis, your journey, just in general, how do you stay so strong and positive during even hard times or just in general? Well, I am really good at overcoming adversity. You know, I've adopted four words since my diagnosis that keep me going. Uh, my positive attitude, um, I've learned that over the course of my military career, just in life in general, um, that attitude is permanent. Mood is temporary. So I, I've had a positive attitude, and yeah, you get moody at times. That's, that's normal. Right. However, my positive attitude is just one of those, it's, it's some God-given gift that I have and just to, main, to maintain my positive attitude. Um, so my positive attitude has had a direct impact on my strong faith and faith in general, okay? Faith is believing in something you can't see. So let's say you look out the window and you see the tree branches with the leaves swaying in the breeze. You can't see the breeze, however, you can see the effect of the breeze. Yeah. So I took the word faith and I made an acronym. And the acronym for faith to me is full assurance influence through hope. Because what is faith? Having hope in something you can't see. So yeah. that's, that's where I took. So my strong, my positive attitude had a direct impact on my faith which had a direct impact on my ability to adapt to life having an ostomy. And I took the word adapt and I broke that down. Attitude determines the ability for a positive transformation. So here you've got attitude, faith, adapt. And then the last word I adopted is the word purpose. And what is my purpose? My purpose in life is to share my journey as a source of inspiration and encouragement, and to continue the legacy of Dr. Henry T. Lynch on the importance of uh, educating the world on hereditary colon cancer syndromes. Now, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little um, um, nugget here. If you take those four words, you've got attitude, faith, adapt, and purpose. What are the first letters of each of those four words? A F A P. Ah. And the mutation I have is attenuated F A P. Now, I came up with that just, I needed something. If I do a live case presentation, I've done guest appearances as a colon cancer survivor. I like to have four take home points. And so I use that attitude, faith, adapt, and purpose. And uh, that's, you know, I talk about how those four words. Um, impact my life um, and that's you know going forward you know and, and speaking of forward so I have a mantra my mantra is always forge ahead with a purpose and once again if you take the letters the first letters of each of those words that comes out to AFAP that was an epiphany I had one morning when I woke up 
months after my surgery, the first two words on my mind were forge ahead. So I quickly turned the light on. I wrote down forge ahead on a little notepad by my bed. And I said, forge ahead. Okay, well, that's a good start, but forge ahead. Forge ahead with a purpose. I said, okay, but that's FAP, but I have the attenuated version. So what am I doing? Well, I'm always forging ahead with a purpose. Boom, there you go. So that's actually my sign off, my signature on my email. That's my mantra. Um, so, um, but things, I just had these epiphanies. I write them down and then I incorporate them into my articles or my presentations. Um, and you know, here we are. Well, so, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Absolutely. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, that's good. <laughs> I think you're going to help. I think you probably have already, but I definitely see you helping a lot of people. So thank you. Well, you know, the, the thing is, thank you for the opportunity. Now, I send out positive vibes. I get that back tenfold. So, you know, um, it, it encourages me, you know, because I'm getting a lot of, uh, I get a lot of feedback, a lot of insight, you know, but it, it helps me out probably more. Believe it or not, it actually helps me out more, you know, than uh, than a lot of people would would think. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. And I love all your your mantra. I think it's a great mantra, and it can help people to know what you have as well. So, yeah. Thank you again. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And this has been another episode of Staying Forever Strong. See you guys next time. Bye.